This week's show is brought to you by Miracle Made. Alright, now you guys, Brad and Alex, you know I like a lot of things, but I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself here. I really like sleeping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's, oh, yeah. A, it's in my top three. Of it's a great I thing enjoy. to do. Wait, hang on. Eating, sleeping, and? Sleeping. Again. Okay. It's, All right. it's it's mostly sleeping, then eating, then sleeping Got again. Got it, yes. Got sleep, it. get up, eat, then you get back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. If I could eat while I'm sleeping, I would probably do that, too. Sleep, eat, sleep, repeat. Got it. Yes. And luckily for me, Miracle Made has sheets just for me. Because did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? And I'll tell you what I don't like, sleeping on a damn toilet seat. I would rather sleep in some nice sheets. I don't know, man. Have you tried it? Unfortunately, yes. And it's not my style. I won't ask you to elaborate. (laughs) Inspired by those punks at NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It has self-cooling properties. The sheets that are infused with this silver prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets, and no more gross odors. Only the best odors in my sheets. You can go to trymiracle.com slash nextlander to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo nextlander at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to miracle.com slash nextlander and use the code nextlander to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash nextlander to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Nextlander podcast. This one, Chalk full of video games sometimes they are sometimes we put like the video games on top but it's on top of like a couple inches of like cardboard and stuff like but it's a big box but then it's like all full of like cardboard it's an insert and then the video games are kind of on top of it and there's not that much underneath it this one all the way the bag is all the way full no air in this bag you know what i mean okay when you said on top i was envisioning more like the construction of a sandwich Okay. Like the layers of, like, do you put the video games on, on like top of the cheese? Like a video game Dagwood? Uh-huh. You put, you put the video games on top of the cheese or underneath the cheese? The cheese always goes on top. Cheese is, mm. cheese, cheese and then condiment, right? Cheese and then whatever spread you have and then the what bread. If, what if you have two spreads? Uh, I mix them together. Mm. Like a, a mayo would go, like a mayonnaise would go on the cheese part, and then the mustard would go on the bread part, and then would glue together. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I always cool, go mayo. I, I go, I go, I always go mayo on one bread, and mustard on the other. Oh, so, so like you can have some on, on the bottom. Same. Yeah. Really? Yes. Yeah. You put condiment on the bottom, the bottom of Hell the bread. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. wow! 
it feels upside down to me for some reason. It feels like you're. It feels like, like both sides, both sides of the sandwich glued together. Oh man, uh, that's the I, only way to live, man. I think. Look, there's only one solution here: a condiment between every single layer of the sandwich. That would be okay. A different one. Actually, I, I, I take that back. It would go cheese and then like um, lettuce and or tomato, then the condiment on top. Wait, of so that. you're putting the condiment in the middle? No, no, no. Going up. Like oh, a, going up. A, okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Cheese. Uh, so meat lettuce, at the bottom. Tomato. Cheese. Uh huh. Lettuce, lettuce tomato, tomato. Onion. Condiments. What have you? Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. Okay. The Lucy's, and then and then condiments, and then the bread would slap on top. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, it's like if I have an end of a bread. The end of the bread, like a, a, the butt end, the heel of the bread, that has to go on top. Otherwise, the sandwich feels upside down. If I okay. put that slice of bread on the bottom, it feels like I've made. It's like when you slice a bagel and then you realize you you just made your bagel upside down. Sure, the, you know I, I, don't, I don't. I don't often do the heel sandwich. Those are usually reserved for like toast or something. Oh yeah, okay. Mm. I, need, I need uniform surface area. Sure, uh, yeah, and also they're usually a little smaller too. So you wind mm-hmm. up with this weird kind of like. A uh, couple of centimeters. That's for our uh, EU folks. A couple mm-hmm. of centimeters in uh, from the edge. Are you guys good with centimeters and metric system at all? No. <laughs> I mean, I would like to be. I have nothing against it, but do, I'm saying do I mean, don't understand it at all. By by good, do you mean have the intuitive sense that allows you to just use it as a matter of course? Yeah, like look if, things up. That's what I assumed. You if meant. I said like, oh, this, I, I've got a thing that's five inches long. Oh, I've got a thing that's, um, I've got a thing that's seventy-two centimeters long. Which one is bigger? Um, yeah, I'd, inches to centimeters I am terrible with. the. Me too! Let's see. I can kind of deal with Celsius because I do a lot of computer okay. stuff. Uh-huh. Um, the other one, maybe I... Europeans tell me if this is good shorthand or not. A meter is fairly close to a yard? That's what I think, and I only so, know this. This is a halo thing because Master Chief's height was always in meters, mm-hmm. and I so I always just translated three feet to a meter. Okay, but it's not quite. It's like two point no. something something it's three three. Let's see, three point two eight feet to a meter. So not oh, quite, okay, but like close. That's that's the one that I always remember. <laughs> that's like ah, you know, I can kind of ballpark this. And yeah, let, me, yeah. let me again clarify here: no one here is speaking ill of the metric system. Our dumb no. imperial system is in no way superior. It's oh, just I unfortunately would... that's what I was taught, and I always treated the other one as well. I don't need that. I, I would switch in a heartbeat if society would get on board, but I need a sound wave bite now of sound wave doing a uh, imperial inferior metric mm-hmm. superior. Um, I always tell my kids cause they, I'm like, are you learning the metric system in school? And they're like, yes, yes, we are I'm like, thank God you need, you need to know this. This is information you will be because better when off. this country falls apart. They will replace the metric system or the imperial system with the metric system at some point. You know what makes sense? Base 10. Base 10. Mm. We, we already do our math in it. You know, Just, I'm going to get an abacus. Oh, there you go. Uh, that's how I do everything now. Like wood for woodworking and and oh my gosh I did you like the, I talked about my silcock on another podcast but I'll, I'll keep it off here but tubing double dipping dia- the silcock huh t- tubing diameters for like copper tube and all this stuff is just a nightmare it's just a nightmare like you know I'm terrible at math to begin with but then when you start throwing in all this fractional stuff that's like all right you know three eighths is it is three eighths bigger. Then, well, what would make sense here? Uh, like 
seven fourteenths or something. So like you know, seven fourteenths well, would reduce yes, to one. Yes, because yeah, that okay. could be half. One seventh. Yeah, that's, whatever. That's just literally half. Look, look. I told you I'm bad at math, uh-huh. but you get the you get the idea. I see what you're I, getting I mean, at. Yeah, they do them in sixteenths, sixteenths, eighths, and like quarters and halves, and it's always just like man. But then you go to buy something, and it's like no, this is this is point three inches, right? And then it's like well, you know. I've got fractional measurements and they're like, okay, now this is, let's just go into centimeters. The whole thing's a mess. Just learn metric. Let's just switch over. I have, I would have to rebuy all of my rulers, which is a funny thing because rulers, ones I mostly have, they sell them in Imperial or metric. Um, rarely do they have them on both sides for woodworking. Sometimes they do. So like, but I'm willing to do it. I'll do it. If we all just switch over, just, I, I, I bought a fancy new tape measure a few months ago. Because I was tired of using the one that doesn't retract anymore. Uh huh. Um, and I thought I think I got the one with both, and it showed up with no metric, and I sent it back. Oh, I was like what, if I can't use this thing to convert on the fly, yes. What's what is the, the point? point? What's the point? What's the point? The only thing I feel like would really mess me up, actually, not that. Actually, you know, it wouldn't. Forget it. I'll take it back. I was gonna say speeds for a little bit might mess me up, but like, I'll deal with it. Like, yeah. The, you know, everybody just goes with the traffic anyway. Nobody mm-hmm. looks at actually how fast anything is supposed to go. I guess maybe if you're on a road with nobody else, but like around here, that never happens. Well, <laughs> so and I think strange. a lot of car speedometers do have the KPH thing on there somewhere. So like you could probably figure it out. I was mostly smaller. thinking like the cost that no, that the United States would never want to incur to change all the road signs into uh, kilometers per hour. Like we can't even get them maintained with a, uh, you know, cutting back the trees that cut from covering them. I can't imagine them being like, we're going to go through and change every road sign here. No, we don't do things like that in this we country We don't do anymore. things like that. Man, there's a whole Wikipedia article about this metrication in the United States. It was close, wasn't it? I yeah. think it was close in the 70s. 1975, the, the Metric Conversion Act of 1975, they tried. Ah, I'm, I'm very pro-metric system. Um, does the UK, I guess people in the UK would have to tell me, do, uh, is it a case where like all the kids use the metric system and then like all the kind of like, uh, uh, their parents are still like, it's a half a, it's a half a pound or is everybody just adopted? I'm as far as I know, at least from the time I, one time I was in the, or two, I guess it technically twice, the two times I was in the UK. Everyone just seemed to use metric. I mean, other than referring to people's weight as stone. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Which is just some weird fucking like Uh that, that weird Island. That's just what they do. Uh, uh, as far as I could tell, everything else is just metric. So much easier. Is is this a real thing? UK residents, UK to revive Imperial measurements to bring back quote, British culture and heritage. I'm sure. I'm sure. Says member of parliament. Yeah, sure it is somewhere. That's definitely they, what they should be oh, prioritizing boy. over there right now. And they should bring back their fractional money too, where uh, you know something costs like uh, uh, one eighth a farthing, or uh, yes, uh, six pence, none the richer. <laughs> get rid of the the decimal, the decimal Man. money. They came up uh, with this shit and foisted it on us, and then they dropped it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, we've got a metric ton of stuff to get through today. You like that? Nice. I'm slamming them both together. I'm going to give you together. that one. Thank you. Um, we're going to talk about uh, Advance Wars, that uh, reboot camp, a game that I wound up sleeping on the couch because I stayed up so late playing it, Stranded Alien Dawn. I haven't done that in a while. Um, 
Uh, Horizon Forbidden West, uh, Burning Shores, the DLC. But first, before we get to all of that, Alex Navarro. Yes. Link's back, baby. Yep. It's almost like he never left, actually. What's uh, what's going down in Hyrule? Yeah, so there's an embargo that came up today uh, for a, a preview event they were holding for that there. Tears of What Kingdom. What What kingdom is that? Uh, I think it's Hyrule. Hyrule. Okay. Um, and I went to it. I went to one of that, that event last week, and I got to play. Okay, it was a two-hour demo, but I'd uh-huh. say the amount of Zelda I actually got to play during that demo was like an hour and ten minutes. That's a that's a good chunk of Zelda. That's not nothing, yeah. I'll say. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm still not used to this new world of press events happening in New York and not here. It is weird, it's, right? It's like a relatively recent development. So there wasn't one. There wasn't like a uh, like a sister event in oh. on the West. But sometimes Coast? they do no, that. I, yeah, I inquired. Hmm. There was not. And Nintendo has definitely been pushing more on New York recently. I'm not exactly sure what prompted that, but I feel like maybe they just did the math and decided that every outlet has at least one person here. I, I emailed them back after the invite came in, just saying, like, I just, there's not, you're not doing it out here, too, are you? Uh-huh. Nope. Nope. No? Okay. No Zelda, no Zelda for me. Well, what's going on um, What's going on in this Hyrulean world of crafting and flying and islands and so probably what the- have you? best way to explain this is to kind of say what they showed specifically because i mean look much like breath of the wild this is a major massive open world game you can Mm -hmm. kind of go everywhere do things the way that you would in breath of the wild and they weren't gonna let us do that in this demo at all um so what they did was they put us in a very specific part of the map They gave us, like, a section of ground and sky islands to kind of navigate my way through, specifically because I think those areas at least gave you, like, a good early notion of how the new abilities work. So we weren't allowed to really go off the rails of what they were kind of designating, which is, hey, you are trying to get from the ground to this top sky island. We have put a marker there for you. How you get there is up to you but you have to find your way up there one way or another. Were there any limitations and visible walls or anything built into this demo, or was this like a rep watching you and uh, kind of kindly suggesting that you stick to the to the, the plan? So they gave us an initial preamble where someone from the treehouse, uh, who I believe was one of the treehouse people in charge of this project, uh, gave us the kind of rundown of what we would be doing. And then after that, uh, I was sat on a couch with like two or three Nintendo reps all staring at me oh. while I played. Two or very three. nice okay, I very just, kind I, not like just, no 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 heavy cajoling or anything but very much like hey we just want to make sure you don't go where you're not supposed to. like i accidentally wandered <laughs> into a shrine that was in the area and they're like that's great can you please turn around and walk out of there now <laughs> yes no i if it's as, if it's as open-ended as the first game you could just make a beeline for right. the end of the game right I, I just enjoy the image of a nintendo rep running in from out of nowhere and tackling somebody no! who was like no 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 trying to go find ganon (laughs) just shoulder checking the tv off the off the thing everyone Uh, in my demo behaved and they stuck to the area they were supposed to but i will say uh as a sidebar at nintendo events the people who have run kiosks have always been even if they're not full-time nintendo employees have always been extremely knowledgeable about the product compared to other at Other E3, publishers. they always yeah. told their booth people, like, here is the exact rundown of what you need to tell yeah. you, uh, tell people. Yeah. 
like even I, I, even people who were just clearly like hired event staff yeah. just there for the weekend to run the the demos and then go on to the next gig. New still, control schemes. Still new, could answer questions about things. Yep, they're very good. So yeah. I'm not saying that was the case here. I'm just saying Nintendo does their homework when it comes time to put on a demo. Yes. Uh, uh, so did they they brief you on the powers before setting you loose? Was that part of the 20, 30 minutes? They did, you? yes. Okay. Uh, so it's, I mean, so there's one thing that I, I sort of can't really describe in any major detail, but I'll get to that in a little bit. But there's a few, like, they showed the, the abilities that they have, like, teased out thus far. Um, there is the craft ability, which is sort of, you know, taking the objects in the world, smashing them together, and doing your, your nuts and boltsing uh-huh. uh, to create vehicles or other devices you can use to get around. Uh, there is fuse, which is the... You're taking an object and attaching it to your weapon or your shield or whatever and getting some new dynamic out of that, ranging from, hey, this is just a little bit stronger to, okay, now this thing tracks, like you attach it to an arrow and now it tracks to, to an enemy. It's like the eyeball thing they yeah, showed. exactly. Yeah. And then there is the, the, the going up through the ceiling thing. I forget the exact name of it, but it's the one where you basically can just like phase through the roofs of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so what I was doing was they, they kind of planted you in front of like a, a fort that had like a bunch of moblins and other, you know, bad guys in it. And they're like, you need to get to the top of that tower. And from there, that's how you're going to get onto the first Sky Island. And then from there, it's kind of up to you to figure out how you get to the rest of them. Sorry, did you say you had the rewind time one or you didn't have that? Uh, the, okay. I don't think I did any time rewinding during my demo. Okay. Okay. My understanding I, is, I think all the powers are new. Yeah the, the the time rewind one is the one they showed. Like the when you said get to the top of the island, I remember that's the one they showed the block going up and down, da- like uh, down in the little demo they had. Okay. Yeah. They, oh, you know what? Maybe that. W- I think actually that was in there. You're right because I think okay. I did recall a vehicle at one point. So yes, okay. I think that yeah, was in there. Yeah, it's not rewinding time for everything. It's for a specific object. Yeah. yeah. So I did, I, yeah, I, I didn't use that very much, but I did end up using it once or twice just to test it out. Cool. Okay. Um, but so, yeah, like what I ended up doing was I ended up bypassing the combat altogether at the beginning. Like I straight up, I, there's like a, uh, like I forget exactly what I did, but I managed to create a, a lift, like using a platform and a couple of fans, I think that sort of like raised me up off the ground. And then from there, I kind of launched myself using the hang glider to the top of the tower and just completely skipped over the part where you fight the moblins or any of the other dudes. So you did the con- construction? Yes, I did a fair amount of the constructing. How is it? It's pretty easy. Like, the, there's, you know, there's a little bit of fiddliness to it, but what I've gathered is that as long as you are reasonably precise you will ma- be able to make the vehicles do what you want. Like, the fans don't have to be centimeters into the right space to be balanced. Like, there's kind of like okay. a far middle front, depending on the size of the object you're planting yourself on. Uh, like, there, it's it's pretty easy to to create a balanced object. Forgiving. Does it, does, does it feel limiting in any way? Like, you kind of see it in the gameplay demo they put out that, like... It looks like things attached to each other in kind of fixed increments like you like you just described, not like it's not totally freeform how things plug together. And so, like, that seems good to an extent from a usability standpoint, because you're going to make sure things line up and work. But it also I wonder if at some point it's going to constrain how creative you can get if if things can only bolt together in so many ways. Well, so you can kind of bolt it onto anywhere. It's just that not everywhere will get you the re- desired result, you know? So, like, if you're you're putting the fans on kind of, you know, the, the 
the weird middle parts of the plank that you're on, like that's not going to make the thing propel forward. And sometimes there are like specific launching areas or th- spaces where it's like, this is clearly the place you want to put this so that it will launch in the direction you want. Like one of the puzzles I solved was actually just rotating part of one of the sky islands to make sure that I could then get the launch thing going in the direction I wanted. So, okay. Do you mind if I just dig in and just ask? Yeah, just ask questions. questions. Like I I can, I can address what I can. Are you, do you have an inventory of parts or do you only use the things that are around you? Uh, you are able to pick up certain parts, I think. And, uh, but generally it seems at least from the stuff that I played, the things you are looking for are usually not too far away from where the next step is. So it's not like you're carrying around a fan forever in hopes that you're going to someday use it. I mean, you can carry around some fans if you want, if you have the parts, but, um, can you, do you have an inventory of parts? You can, you can stow them or no. Okay, it has been a week, so I'm just trying to remember uh-huh. the exact inventory, because there's a difference between your weapons and inventory, and then obviously your other stuff. Um, okay. And I think you are somewhat, you might be somewhat limited in terms of, like, how many parts you can store. Okay. Um, but I think I remember there being some parts in my inventory as well. Okay. It's kind of that, like, that's um, interesting. reminds me a little bit of the Chia thing, where it's like Chia lets you store, like, kind of anything, including, like, say, a dog. Right. Or, like, a lit lantern. And just whip it out and use it whenever the need arises. So yeah, I could see, I could see this getting way crazier if you are able to carry things like fans with you and use them in places you probably shouldn't. But right. I would not, I would not be shocked if they restrict like bigger objects from being carried around indefinitely. So it seems like those, at least some version of those objects, are frequently available. You know, like they're called, I think, uh, Zonai artifacts or something. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But there are in, and I didn't see like a gigantic variety of those, but it seems like they are plentiful and you will not often be in a situation where there is just nothing around for you. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, like one of the ongoing craziest things about Breath of the Wild is that people are still posting weird physics videos five years later. And so it makes me wonder, like, if you could take a bunch of fans into the fight with Ganon, assuming you fight Ganon in this, like, are people just going to attach a bunch of fans to Ganon and fly him off the map? I don't know. Like, that's the kind of wild game-breaking stuff that I hope to see. That was actually going to be my next question, was, like, did you hit zones where they're like, you can't build here, or they have those, like, portal portal or portal 2 barriers that's like, oh, you go through this and all your fans disappear, or... You know, like stuff where what is it called? Ultra hand or like no? Sorry, ultra, the hand. U- ultra hand is not allowed here. Yeah. Uh, so the thing with that, and, and so ultra hand is the build. Like that's the build ability. Um, and so it's possible that like when you go into shrines, maybe that stuff doesn't work. Again, they did not let me do that, so I don't ah, know. Okay. Um, but again, from what they showed in the areas I was in, it did not seem like there were like any kind of barriers to just using what you had at your disposal. Interesting. Did you, um, as you, I'm sorry if you can't answer these, these are mm-hmm. such specific this questions. Is, there's, this has an incredibly specific embargo. <laughs> so there will probably be a couple of things I just literally can't talk about yet. Uh, did, when you were building stuff, did it seem to have some kind of thermometer or counter or anything that was like a parts counter? That's like the complexity is getting too high or you've used too much, too many pieces. I didn't see anything like that. Like I, if there's like seven fans around, I don't think there's anything necessarily stopping you from just putting seven fans on a plank and seeing what happens. Um, Mm. other than just space considerations. (laughs) I was also going to think of switch limitations too. Well, yeah, (laughs) you're going to crash this game. If you put too many fans 
like spinning in a giant circle or something. You know, I'd like to think the, t- the team has been spending their time figuring out ways to, to break the game so that that doesn't happen when people start playing it in the wild. Yeah, uh, in the Breath of the Wild. I, su- mm-hmm. I assume they all, it's probably some kind of parts counter. There's also a, a energy cost, right, to, to powering your vehicle? Uh, yes, there is an energy cost. Uh, turning the objects off will cause them to recharge, so it's not like you're constantly having to, like, you know, find resources to charge them up. Okay. Or at least the ones I saw, that was how it was set up, so. Okay. I saw, I saw that, um, that clip. I don't, I don't know, I guess they were letting people shoot the screen in this and post clips of it, but I saw Gene Park from the Post posted that clip this morning. Yeah, they were letting him, people take very limited amounts of, of footage and i think they did provide a little bit of b-roll for it of him like flying a battery powered flying machine he had made up to an island and just barely making it before the battery died and having to like bail onto the side of the island and just grab on before it crashed i had that happen a couple of times there's also a uh a thing you can plant on the ground somewhere so if you make it to a sky island and then you want to fuck around and see if you can figure out how to get to the next one you can have a reset ability so that you reset back to that island Oh, like good. there's like a badge you can drop down on the ground that would be like that's, you will reset here if you want to. That's smart. That is, yeah. seems very much like enough playtesting made it clear that it was going to get real annoying to have to recover from falls all totally. the time. Yes, because it's pretty high, right? Because I fell multiple times, and the first couple of times I did it, I forgot to put that badge down, and then when I, I did, it, I was like, oh, that's very handy. Man, as, as someone who still reflect, reflexively hates jumping into hay bales in Assassin's Creed, like that does not sound fun to me. Like, do you just fall all the way to the ground? Oh yeah, I mean you and got your glider, just, so you can well, okay, glide for a little sure, bit. But sure, that yeah. helps. Like, do you take fall damage if you fall from five miles up? Pretty sure you do. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm sure I will think of more annoying questions about the building later, Alex. But uh, I want to keep you from going after you've built your flying contraption. Yeah. So there. I mean, look. Mostly, what I did was play around with those abilities. But yeah, how do you steer it? Uh, so, like, one of the things I built was a straight-up, like, flying raft from one mm-hmm. island to another, and I used a launching area Ooh. that was, like, a sort of had, like, a little groove in it where I just kind of planted it down there, and it was almost like a runway. Um, so, on there, the first time I did that, it was going great, and then someone launched something at me from the other island, and so I shifted my weight, and that caused the thing to tilt in a direction like it was an actual flying machine, and so that actually tilted me to a point where I fell off the thing. So when you are on something like that, for instance, you kind of need to stand in the center and try to be careful about how you're shifting your weight because that will cause you to turn or pitch in a way that uh, maybe you're not expecting. Interesting. Yeah. Was the big question, was it fun? I mean, it's did you like Breath of the Wild? Yes. Like, yeah, like, like, okay, but this is not Breath of the Wild stuff we're talking about. Like, the building and the flying on the thing sounds awesome. But structurally, I think it is very similar. Yeah. I think, like, philosophically, in the sense that they're just going to turn you loose with more powers this time, and specifically Mm. more building powers, but it sounds like philosophically just as a big open sandbox to play in, it's, it's definitely similar. Yeah, it's still doing the same basic notions. Like, the combat feels very similar to Breath of the Wild. The did, running around the war, like, the ground level definitely feels very much like Breath of the Wild, so... Did they did they give any sense, I bet they did not, of, like, the overarching structure of the game? You know, like, the first game had the, the four, four beasts you could go tackle and then go fight Ganon, but even those were optional if you wanted? Like, did they talk about 
dungeons, number of objectives, no, anything at all? They gave no indications as far as that stuff goes, other than okay. to say it's another giant open world, you know, approach it how you want. But, like, it was just that top-line stuff. Nothing about hard numbers of, like, how many dungeons will you have to complete, you know, to get X number of things. You know, n- None of that stuff was in there. Interesting. Shrines, though, like you said, definitely shrines still a thing. Shrines are definitely still in there in some capacity, yeah. Definitely still a thing. Yeah. What was what was the weirdest thing you fused? Mm-hmm. Or- I, didn't, I didn't get too buck wild with it, though at one point I literally fused a minecart to my shield for no reason. Huh. Because I wanted to see okay. if it would work, and it did. That kind of answers my follow-up question, which is, like, are there a lot of restrictions on things you can fuse together? But I would not have expected that to work, so maybe not. I I think there is like a a literally a highlight system where it's like if it is something that can be fused and used in the fuse ability, it will highlight a certain color when you are kind of like, you know, moving your ability like reticule around. Um, So like and it's the same thing with the, the, the hand stuff like, you know. If it isn't an object you can use the the you know the the construction ability with, then it won't highlight that way. Is there a difference between say like highlighting the minecart to your shield versus something that generates a fuses to become a new item? Like, is there like oh this when you combine these two things, it's now this heat seeking arrow that is a named thing? I didn't see anything that was specifically named. It was more just like, you know, minecart shield now, you know, like it's, it just kind of combined it. Like it literally just took the two things that it was and made that the term. Ah, yes. In the, in the grand tradition of plane boat car, Uh just name things, what they're made out of. Yes. Man. It did shrink the minecart when I did that. It was, it was the size of the shield as opposed to the shield becoming the size of the minecart, but Hmm. it was still very goofy looking. Was the uh, was the game running okay? Just fine? So, yeah, that's like the billion-dollar question, right? <laughs> uh, so what I'm able to say is that from what I saw, I saw very little in the way of frame rate dip. Um, mm. There were a couple of places where I was getting real high up there, and there was a lot of cloud cover where it maybe chugged slightly, but it was very minor. That mm. said, I did not go into any towns. I did not go into any majorly populated areas, and... The thing that was alluded to me was that there will probably be a day one patch that, you know, even wherever it is now, it will run better on day one than it does in current preview builds. So like that goes without saying, yeah, it does kind of go without saying, but you want to hear him say it just so you can be like, okay. Uh, did they, they change the stamina system? No, you've still got stamina. You still have stamina for, for climbing? I thought I, there was something I'm trying to think of, recall from the demo they showed that maybe maybe, it was, maybe I'm just thinking of that you can pass through ceilings now. Yeah, the pass through ceilings thing really does make things easier uh, as far as that stuff goes because you're not like, obviously you can't go through every single ceiling, but as long as there is like a place for you to stand on top of it, you can go through it. It seems like. Okay, this is a question maybe they didn't address or maybe this is embargoed. Do you bring in anything from your previous save? Do you know? Don't. No idea. No idea. Okay. No idea. Did you have the master sword? I'm trying to remember what weapons I had. I definitely had some swords, and not just like a bunch of sticks or whatever. But okay, I don't remember seeing the master sword as the thing that I had in my inventory. Actually, up. Oh. Okay, maybe maybe you don't want to answer this. Maybe you can't answer this. Do we know if this takes place after? The yes, it, it is a sequel, is, though I think okay. it's some years later. 
So it's not the prequel stuff where they're, no. she, he's like the squire running around with her? I okay. don't think so, unless there's some flashback stuff in there I don't know about. It, it seemed that the in, implication seemed to be that this is the continuation of that story. Okay. Okay. I'm excited for this one. I wasn't, and then that, that last big thing with Ultra Hand and, the, and all the abilities came out, I was like, oh man, that does seem like a sandbox full of dumb stuff to do. This looks like a, it, it's weird as hell. It's yeah. Yeah. not what I would have expected out of a Zelda game ever. But neither was Breath of the Wild when it came around, you know. Yeah. Like, and that's and, and it feels like they are escalating on the framework of what the, you know was successful about that game, but also not just making that game again. And I will yeah, say, I mean, I, just sorry. real quick, that like the tools as they are presented were were presented to me. It feels like they are not punishing experimentation in any major way. Like, yeah. you should be able to fuck around and try stuff and see if things work yes. as much as you want. And you're not going to get yourself into a weird stuck position where, like, you feel like you're just banging your head against stuff. Like, it feels like there are multiple solutions to at least just about everything that I saw. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, the thing you said at the beginning about, like, oh, they had a thing there to fight and instead I just flew around it. Like, being able to circumvent and subvert the stuff they want you to do is the biggest joy, I think, that you can take from stuff like this. So, yeah. yeah that's, that's awesome. I mean, the reason this seems weird to me, though, is, like, Breath of the Wild, at least you kind of see the connective tissue to, like, the very first Zelda, you know, of, like, oh, they're trying to recapture that spirit of, like, you can go anywhere. It's a big open world, kind of like the first game was. But this is so, again, nuts and bolts. Like, it's really just, you just put scrap mechanic or nuts and bolts in here. <laughs> like, at least with the last one, it was like, okay, there is some Zelda legacy being played on here. Here it's just, ah, we did, building vehicles is awesome, and we wanted to put that in here. So here you go. And again, I don't know exactly how buck wild you can get with that stuff. Like, I haven't seen anyone try. Like, I I didn't do anything that required more than like two or three parts to combine. You know, like it wasn't like I was like I'm literally building a full on smoking contraption out of like different pieces of machinery or anything. It was like no, I just built flying rafts. Like, like basically like a, a giant paper airplane, more or less. And but like it feels like it won't be long before the people who are most dedicated to this game will uncover some things that are just truly like ridiculous. I wonder being a Zelda game, if like you could imagine when you get the, the ability or at some point there are enemies that you have to use the crafting on, like they have a big shield and you have to attach uh, weights or something or fans to the big shield to spin them around or backwards or, I mean, all, all the, when Nintendo puts a mechanic in, I feel like they really try to be as creative with it as possible, and sometimes annoyingly so. If everybody remembers, you know the uh, the what was it? Um, which is the Zelda where you had the motion controls and the enemies had their were doing like the uh, voguing, yeah. yeah. Where it's like, okay, you're just taking this too far, but sometimes it's very clever and very fun. Yeah, when so, it works, it works. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking, I really am looking forward to it. And yeah. this is sooner than later now because it's what, two weeks? 12th, right? Yeah. Is it May 12th? Good Lord. Man, uh, that's fun. And you're, there's still more embargo? Well, so there was an ability that was in there that I was not really allowed to talk about yet, though it's related to huh. one of the other ones. So that's, that's, it, that's all I can say. Something they haven't shown yet? Uh, I, I, think I don't think you could say. It might be something they've alluded to before, but I don't think huh. they've shown it exactly yet. Okay. But anyway, they were just like, uh, you, you can say something like this is in here, but you can't say what it is or how it works. And so I'm just, I'm going to bypass that altogether and just say, I'm not going to do it here. 
Okay. I have to imagine there is a video coming sometime in the next seven days that will de- that will demonstrate some of that. Do you have a horse? Uh, I started out on the horse. Can you attach stuff to the horse? I didn't try. I should have. Thank you for right, next. <laughs> that's the first thing I'm doing when I get into that game. Yes. I'm gonna put a put fan f- on a horse. Put fans on the horse, please. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Make it run faster. That's just or, physics. Yeah. Or at least put the horse on your fan platform and see what see what happens mm-hmm. when you set that thing up. If that horse will fly. I mean, I, legitimately, I, the first thing I'm gonna do if I ever get to that Ganon fight is I'm gonna see how many fans I can attach to him and if that does anything. <laughs> Can you attach? Were you able to attach objects not to, to living enemies? things that I okay. saw? But I that, that doesn't mean it's not in there. No. It's just I didn't see it. Like I said, I'm sure there will be something where you have to attach some kind of item to an enemy's armor or shield or head or something. Very cool. Uh, Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom. Um, in about two weeks, you said the twelfth is the date, the release date on that. Yeah, May twelfth. Coming to a Switch near you. Excited. Let's take a quick break here. We'll come back with some more Nintendo business with Advance Wars in just a moment. Be right back. This week's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Brad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. I bet you guys have subscriptions. I had a lot of subscriptions. I had too many subscriptions. And at a certain point... I had to drill down. I had to. I had to focus. I had to make sure that I did not have so many subscriptions anymore. You had to take time out of your day, my busy schedule, your time, which is worth more than anything, to find those subscriptions and cancel. Brad Shoemaker, do you live a subscription lifestyle? I am just a walking monthly bill at this point. <laughs> it's the world we live in. If you need help, boy, guys, I got some. Uh, I got some news for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. says here that most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, but in reality, the number is closer to 200 My God. What are we even doing? With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com nextlander. That's rocketmoney.com nextlander. Rocketmoney.com nextlander. Thanks, Rocket Money. We are back, and we're not done with the Switch just yet. Alex Navarro, tell me about this Advance Wars 1 and 2 reboot camp. We might be done with the Switch. The Switch ain't done with us. Uh-huh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Advance Wars. That's a game I never really played back when it was mm-hmm. on the old Game Boy, where it started and moved to the DS. Uh, but everyone around me for years told me, you should play these games. And I said, no, I don't like tactics games. And then at some point... uh. I decided I actually do like tactics games. So when they announced they were going to do this collection, uh, which includes Advance Wars 1 and 2, I was like, finally, my time is here! And then they delayed it a year for, uh-huh. well, you know, understandable reasons. War. War. Yeah. Literal war. So, 
whatever math they did, they decided it was time for that collection to come out now. Uh, and I've been playing it. I've mostly been playing the, uh, or I've only been playing the first Advance Wars campaign because if you tell the game you have never played Advance Wars before, it keeps the other one locked for you uh, until you are ready to go with that one. So, but I've, I'm pretty deep into the campaign on one. So you you played some of this on one of our streams. I can't remember if it was a grab bag or on a grab bag. It was a grab bag. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, grab bag Friday or grab bag mm-hmm. Thursday. But, um, you know, you were pretty early on. Have things changed dramatically or is that pretty much the, the cadence? I mean, it's the cadence. Like, it's every new mission they escalate by, you know, introducing new units or a new terrain type or some other thing that you have to consider when you are, uh, you know, approaching your your battles. But new commanding officers. Exactly. And they all come with their own special ability. Um, But, you know, the, the general rhythm of the game is the same. You are just trying to either capture the enemy's base or destroy all of their units or, you know, if they have a factory also capture their factory so they can't make more units. Um, yeah. When you were, when you were playing, um, you were, you were kind of wrapping your head around capturing versus movement and all this stuff. Do you feel like you've got it, you've got it under control at this point? So I've moved from feeling like I don't really fully understand what the strategy here is to, I can win most battles without having to restart, but it is a grind still because I've mm. not quite figured out how to quickly, you know, navigate my way through the spaces and and win battles. It's more of a, okay, I'm now like 22 days into this one battle, and it's like, uh, I'm going to win this, but I'm still going to take me another five turns before I get there. You have to burn eight infantry units yes. as meat shields so you can wear this thing down. Yeah. Do you get the ability to produce units or call in reinforcements? Yeah, I mean, so they, they introduced the factories pretty early on, and those let you create uh, new units. I think at a certain point you get the ability to create air units and uh, water units as well. Right now I have those, but I can't create them. Okay, I, I was, was going to ask if there were air units in one or if that was a two thing. I couldn't remember. Yeah, like jet planes, helicopters, and bombers are at the very least in this one. Uh, there might be others, but those are the ones I've seen so far. As units that are provisioned to you at the start of the campaign? Yes, yes. Okay. Or a level? It depends uh, on the level, yeah. But you're enjoying it. I am. So, like, everyone, I'm going to say right now, everyone was right. Advanced <laughs> Wars is pretty goddamn good. Um, it's awesome. I have not tried any multiplayer yet. Uh, I've been told that apparently the online is only available to people on your friends list, which is yeah. an interesting choice. They sure did elect to not implement matchmaking in this. I don't really understand why, but then again, I never fully understand every decision that Nintendo makes. So, I'm just going to say, chalk this one up to, well... It's a Nintendo move. Sure, yeah, why not? Well, well, you know, I mean, that is a fairly big can of worms design-wise to design that kind of multiplayer. But. Well, yeah, and I mean, again, the original games were on GBA, so there was no online aspect to them. Uh, how, that is something you would is, have to add. This is... Da, 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 60 bucks. This is a $60, $60 game. Okay, so it is kind of full-priced. They get two games. Yeah, um, and they're not short games, is the thing. Like, those campaigns run for reasonably long. How, how, <clears throat> this is the true gauge of how hard you are going to me. Have you turned off the battle animations yet? You can do that. I don't. I don't know. I assume. I'm pretty sure you could in the original. Shit, I gotta go do that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> because you're yeah, going it's ra- taking too fucking if, long. Yes. If you want to do that, that means you're in pretty deep. Then. Can I just turn off the enemy battle animations? I, I like watching my guys destroy people. I just don't <laughs> want to watch my guys destroyed. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. I. <laughs> 
the so there's a fast about, forward. They should have. There is a there's fast a, forward button, which I have been using skip. liberally. But, I, but if there is, I, it's probably in the menu, and I, I haven't looked for it. So I should go I'd do that. Swear, I swear the originals let you do it because I, I feel like I have a, a memory of like starting battles and just watching the numbers go down on the units. Yeah. instantly. It is a very much more expeditious way to play that game. I bet even during the stuff you showed, Alex, that's the thing that kind of crossed my mind first. Was like, oh, I bet after a while this is taking too long. Yes, some of these battles do go on. Uh, I wouldn't say they are, like, laborious, but they definitely, like, and again, the stage I'm at with, like, understanding the strategy is that I can win by attrition. I don't, I don't tend to win in overwhelming fashion yet. That was all, it just occurred to me, that was also something I did in uh, Wargroove. Oh, wow. also on the Switch a few years ago, which was very much attempting to be a fantasy Advance Wars. I totally forgot about that game immediately just turn off those animations so you can just fly through everything as fast as possible. Um, what, do you, what do you think about the look of it? Because watching you play it, it looks fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with it, but it feels a little generic to me. It just feels a little sort of generic 3D graphics when the, like, the, the very cartoony pixel art of the originals had, like, a, a certain style to them. This feels a little less stylish. It definitely feels like they sanded some of the edges off um, in a way that maybe does make it look a little more generic. But I mean, it's cute. I I, I haven't really like I like looking at the little tanks and the little guys running around. Like, I think that stuff is fine. The character art is whatever. Like, it's just cute cartoon people. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I almost, I almost feel like maybe it would have been nice to see what this looked like cell shaded or with some mm-hmm. kind of shader of that nature on it. Yeah. Kind of evoke the look of the sprites a little more. But I don't think it looks bad. It's just, it's not like, you know, nothing about it visually super, like, pops. It has the look of a, like, a, a, a very popular, like, mobile game. Yes. Or something, you know, like, a, like in that, in that. I mean, like, it was I one of the original yes. mobile games, you yeah, know, you back before yeah. mobile games were mobile games. You know what I mean? <sighs> you know who was the first mobile game? Jesus. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think it looks neat. I kind of was debating whether or not to pick it up. Um, this weekend I did not, but, um, that's for other reasons, but I, I think I might, I don't know. I played a lot of it this weekend. I was surprised how, how much I wanted to keep playing it, but I really wanted to keep playing it. I played some more today and it's, it's good, man. It's it's weird. I I don't know. I was, I was all hyped for this to come out and then somehow watching you play it kind of cooled me on it a little (laughs) bit. I don't think it's a great game to watch. Like I, I, and granted I was not, you know. I, it was literally the first time I booted it up. I had no idea what the hell I was doing, but I, I think it's one of those games where it's like when you're in it and you're making the decisions, it yeah. grabs you. Yeah, I don't know. I, it just made me think like, eh, maybe I should just fire up the mister and go play the original a little mm. bit and get my fill there. I think that's a perfectly valid way to approach it if that's how you want to do it. I If I had access to the GBA versions, I certainly would probably check them out, uh, but I I don't. So this is this is my way of playing. I also think it's a big difference for folks like, like for you and for me that haven't played it before versus like, if you've played this that already, was, that was like part of it seeing like, Oh yeah, this takes a lot of time. That was part of it. Well, it wasn't that so much as it was like seeing it and going like, Oh yeah. Okay. I remember this. I played right. this game. Yeah. I played, I played both, both of these back when they came out. It's like, if it had been a brand new game, maybe it'd be a little more. Right. Yeah. Uh, Advance wars one and two reboot camp. It is finally here. It is here. It is sixty dollars on the Switch. You Pretty go good. Check it out. Pretty damn good. Uh, all right. So here's a game that took over my weekend in a weird way. Um, Sounds like an mo- unexpected way. Mo- mostly not. Mostly just the last couple of days, actually, and maybe not even the weekend. I finished up um, 
uh, Burning Shores this weekend. Uh, but uh, this game, Stranded Alien Dawn, uh, it had been kind of per- pitched to me as maybe this is a modernized 3D RimWorld, um, you know, in that vein. And I see where that's coming from, though I don't have that much familiarity with RimWorld or Dwarf Fortress, but it, it um, you know, it's of a kind. It really, to me, it, and this is probably just because it's more of my area of of uh, knowledge, feels like an RTS survival game, which is, I guess, Dwarf Fortress and, and RimWorld. But, like, you, the premise is, in one of the scenarios, the scenario I'm in, you are crash-landed on this area, alien world with, um, all of these things are variable, but in my, my scenario, with four people, mm-hmm. you know, take apart the ship, scavenge resources, Build your build your lean to or your um you, you know start tech treeing up and uh, chop down wood and uh you know get into fabrication of stoves and and houses mm-hmm. uh, and it has a it has very much a hostile um uh, tower defense style vibe too. The more you go, you're going to start getting attacked by the the local uh, uh, fauna. You know, it's a, it's a bug holdout. Yeah, so kind of a book of things. I I am downloading this as we speak. <laughs> so apologies if it messes with my connection, but I see this and I'm like, this looks cool. So it's super cool. So I guess this has been an early access for a while, and I saw it and I was like, it's it's modernized and and looks good, and and the UI is good enough to get me through some of the things that maybe Dwarf Fortress and and RimWorld. Um, though they might be much more deeper and complex, mm-hmm. that complexity can kind of be a little intimidating or, or at least, you know, Hey, these are systems that have been <laughs> built on for sometimes decades. This feels much more approachable, m- maybe lighter, you know, like you're not necessarily going into the bio of a character and seeing their history over hundreds of years, but there is depth in there for sure. And yeah, you know, it's freaking hard. Like, I, my my crew is running around. I'm on my second year. Half of the people don't have shoes. Like, you know, it's and it's and it's winter. It's the second year in winter, and people are just getting hyperthermia. I've, I've been wanting to ask what is up with these stock photo ass character portraits of your of your people in this, and why they look so goddamn severe. But when you tell me none of them have shoes, I guess I would look pretty grumpy too. So that does kind of make it make some sense. The the art is kind of interesting, and I don't know what the background on the art is. You know, if you told me they hired an artist to go through this stuff and make portraits, I'd believe you. If they told me they went to Mid Journey and typed yeah, in severe looking portraits, I, yes. like if, I would also the, believe that. Yes, if these, if if absolutely, these definitely have a bit of an AI portrait look to yeah. them. But so, everybody looks really pissed off. I really don't know, but there is kind of nice key art in the game, also. So maybe they did hire an artist to go through and, and generate that stuff for it. I actually, I don't. Yeah, know. yeah. Totally. Um, but the um. But the idea is, you know, you have durability. So everybody starts with their, like, spacesuits. And then over the course of a year, those things start breaking down. And then my guys are just running around with no pants on because I have to get hides and I have to get leathers and stuff to get these pants. But I only have four people. Now I, now I have six. Um, but, you know, it's the kind of tech tree where you're – it's sci-fi. So you're building solar panels at some point. I've got um, managing the grid and um, – you get this kind of cool wrinkle where the map is not exceptionally big, but you also can expand very quickly. So you get this, it, you can kind of scroll to the edges fairly 
effortlessly with your mouse to be like, oh, okay, this isn't that big, but you're just not expanding. I feel like I'm not expanding that quickly because of the limited amount of people you have, or at least that I have. Like four people is not a lot to start with in in this thing. Is is, is there some concept of a campaign or a story, or are you just like starting a scenario? Like, so is, it, is it is it just is it just here's a generated map go or? So I, there are a couple of quote unquote scenarios, uh, where it's like, this one is you are the one I'm playing through is you are from a crash landed ship with four people. One of the other ones said is like, you're a trader setting up an outpost on this. So there are a couple of different planets. Uh, I kind of went with the, what the default was for each thing. It's not necessarily very story based though. It's a little light in that front. Mm Mm-hmm. You do get events that happen where you can go into this kind of meta layer and search further in the environment that's off your map kind of thing, if that makes sense. Like, okay, hey, do you want to send an expedition to this event that's going to take two days and then you'll get kind of the dialogue prompt that's like, hey, I found a, an abandoned camp or hey, I found another survivor. Should I bring them back? That's kind of the most narrative style stuff. It's kind of when it turns more into... um almost like Forex style prompts of things. It's okay. like, what, what should I do? Should I push on or should I come back? And it's like, push on. We'll have a, uh, 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 you know, a horrible something happen rating of this, you know? So your, your characters each have stats. They're named. They have problems. Like one guy came, he's got irritable bowel syndrome. So, you know, came in with IBS, which he keeps waking up cause he's got a pain threshold. That's like, crap. I can't get rid of this. Um, if you're, I've got a person who now has a painful scar because they've, they've they got really injured in a battle and you know, they, they're under pain most of the time. Uh, so it's, it's interesting like that. I have cheesed it and reloaded a couple of times after a party wipe. So, um, or even when somebody dies, I'm still getting a hang of what the game, what the game is asking for me, but I played for like six hours straight from Ooh, damn, like from like eight o'clock last night maybe to like two or three in the morning um yeah you don't like, do that very often i don't and it was one of those things where like, i just want to keep going i just want to see what's going on here and it was super cool uh like i said i'm still figuring out what exactly i need to do when the combat kicks off because it can turn bad very quickly are you, are you playing with a controller i so i played started on the mouse and then uh, when I went upstairs, I was like super t- like at like twelve o'clock. I was like, I want to go see if this works on. The- it's got full controller support. So I-, I went upstairs and I did it on the Steam Link with the controller. It took me a little bit to get used to it, but I was able to. But today when I came back, I was like, I want to play this back on the mouse. Um, it-, it was fine on the on the controller, but I, I think really for me, I-, I found myself being able to move a bit faster with the with the mouse. Does this seem okay? So I've been this is very me. I've been looking for a game of this nature, like a really heavy simulation game, and I don't know how heavy is the simulation in this. Like, does it feel like it's pushing the hardware in a way that some other like more complex 4x games are? The reason I ask is that mm. this new CPU I've got, and also the one I just sent you, the 5800 X3D that you just got courtesy of a kind benefactor. <laughs> yeah. Um, those things love strategy games more than, or put it uh, it's like, like the other way. Bound. Strategy games love those things more than just about anything. It's crazy. It's not like high frame rate demanding graphical games. Yeah. It's stuff like Factorio and Stellaris and Hearts of Iron and anything that is pushing 
crazy dwarf fortress, mm-hmm. like anything that's got like ridiculous amounts of simulation going on. Like you'll see people talking about. It's funny. <laughs> I've been reading a lot of discussion among people who are super into those games and how much they love these CPUs with all this extra cash. They don't talk in terms of frame rate. They talk a number of like turns per second. It's so like, it's like oh right. yeah, this yes, this thing can simulate a hundred days per second or a hundred turns per second compared to like two forty on this new chip. It's crazy. Like it's hilarious to watch people get excited about like how fast the simulation in games like this is running. I don't, I don't know if this is a good use case or I, test I case for that. Yeah, it doesn't have that. I know exactly what you're talking about because used that happened to me on, a, on like a sieve thing where I would have to hit the space bar to end turn, and then all the enemies would take their turn. And it would take forever. Yeah, I'd have to zoom out to the, the cloud cover so nothing animated. It's not that type of game. Like it's not like I chop okay. a tree down and math starts happening all across the. It, it's it's more of, or at least I haven't gotten there. Like I said, most of the stuff that is shocking to me is how intense it is in its small scale uh, nature. So it, my little outpost is still fairly small. Uh, there's just not too much going on there, but it's so intense. Um, and just keeping track of the characters, there is a little fiddliness with the micromanagement. The like it, I want to call this, I'm sure somebody has called it this sim sim world where it is just this feels like a mashup. The Sims meets RimWorld in this way that it looks like the Sims. Right. And all the weird, some of the weird things that happen in the Sims where you're like, why is this character spinning around in a circle or like is not doing the thing they should be doing? Or why are they eating the wrong food? Like those type of things sometimes happen and you have to like get in there and micromanage and be like, dude, these berries are going to go bad. Make the food out of the berries. I prioritize this in the, in the kitchen. Sometimes that doesn't feel like it's working as I'm intending it to work. Uh, but on the other hand, a lot of the systems seem great. Like they seem like they, the building seems very functional and great. The resource management, uh, like we encountered this in uh, Dwarf Fortress, so it'd be familiar. It's got that palletized storage thing where you just set an area as pallets and people will put items in there. And, and being able to say what should go in that pallet is very easy. Gotcha. Uh, and you can copy and paste those rules onto other things. Uh, there's a schedule for people that is very manageable. The UI I found to be generally pretty good. Okay. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I want to get back in there. So in, in what I found was a thing that recently, just recently, was a research option to research an orbital communications relay. So I'm stranded on this planet. The text for this is basically like hey it's time to get saved so i don't okay. i don't know if that is a pathway to ending a campaign or not okay. yeah or, that, was, or that, that was kind of my my other question following yeah. on from the is there a campaign is like what is the win scenario is that it is it just get I, off I the planet so i don't i'm not exactly sure so i haven't researched it yet um it's it's in my queue to research i don't know if you build that thing and then it takes like so much ungodly power you have to be at this other state or if it takes other things it could be um, that that triggers some kind of end event and you get a title card that's like, hey, you won. You can keep playing or you can wrap up your campaign. I don't know. Uh, what I do know is I have laser rifles and crossbows, and that's pretty cool to me, like being able to make weird polymer armor and some people are don't have shoes is like there's something very cool about that. Uh, building stuff from the scraps of the spaceship and then having to build wood cabins over here. It's like a neat 
aesthetic that I, I, I really enjoy. Um, I also like games where you are building fortified defenses, and that is definitely this game. You're, the tutorial for it is like, hey, here are your automated turrets with traps in front of them for when the monsters come. Uh, I, I love that stuff. I, you know, that's, it's very appealing to me. Uh, so that is uh, Stranded Alien Dawn. I'm really enjoying it. It's 35 bucks. I think it's on Epic and Steam. I don't know if it's it's got full controller support. I don't know if it's coming to consoles or not uh, at any point, but it's neat. Um, Might have to give this a shot. Yeah, Sounds cool. Like, it's 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 one of those types of games if you're listening to it. So I don't think it's it's not an RTS game. It is definitely more on the, um, the simulation side. The Dwarf Fortress Rimworld mm-hmm. side of things. But also, having played so much Sons of the Forest, it feels like an RTS meets survival game. That's just kind of the first thing. I was like, oh, yeah, go collect the wood and, you know, start building our base. And and, and it's just a weird thing because we've just played so much of that. It just feels like now I've got this helicopter view of the four, the three of us doing those things, trying to survive. There's a hot air balloon. So that's the thing you use to go on those expeditions. That's like the kind of meta layer or not meta is not the right word, but the kind of more... You're not going to go use the balloon. You're going to take the balloon. It's like it's like Assassin's Creed. Hey, go send your assassins on a mission. Sure. Thing. Uh, but it's neat. Sometimes they come back and they bring resources and shoes, which is Some, Sometimes I'm guessing they don't come back. I have not had anybody die. I have had people come back with smoke inhalation because they stayed out too long. Winter is rough. Winter. You have to heat your, you have to heat your place. And so you could do centralized heating you can put furnaces in there when you hover over it gives you so maybe this is kind of like the simulation stuff but it doesn't bog the computer down when you hover over a building it'll tell you the inside temperature and when you hover outside a building it'll tell you the outside temperature so they're they're trying to do some kind of thermodynamics of like okay air can flow from this room to this if you put a vent on it or not and you know all of those things but it's not overly weighty Mm -hmm. in that sense it's hard though yeah Uh, Alien, uh, Stranded Alien Dawn. Uh, the other thing that I spent the weekend doing was finishing up Hor- uh, Horizon Forbidden West, The Burning Shores. How long uh, did it have taken you? Hmm. I don't know the hour counts. It was, it wrapped up faster than I thought it would. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I can't speak for you, obviously, but I've seen people throw like 10 hours around. That, yeah, there okay, is I, some side stuff in there, but it's not super deep. I saw I saw like a breakdown of like how many story missions and like I think they said it was only like two main side quests, but it seems like it's mostly focused on kind of core story content. Yeah, so I definitely did an extra uh, like a capital S side quest in it um, for sure, and I did the cauldron that's in it. I don't know if that counts as a side quest. But it didn't seem necessary. They didn't like. I don't think it led me to the cauldron, so I don't know if that counts as one. There are some minor side things. Uh, I think they call them tasks or something in in the game. Some of those. It's cool. It's neat. It's it's not too far afield. I'll say this. They remember how last time I was like, uh, boy, it's hard to come back into the combat and uh, uh, remember what every single buff and debuff and all these weapons do. They kind of solve that problem pretty quickly. Oh. You, you, you get some new armaments that are a thing I pretty much just use exclusively for the rest of the game. I that, see. That was like, great. Okay, cool. It I guess that's was one, like way a third to, one way to glide past that problem. Yeah. Is, it, is it something in the bow 
tripcaster slingshot kind of vein. Is I don't want like to give too much away because it's, kind of, it's kind of fun. Huh. It's kind of fun, so I don't want to give too much away. But they they give you new armor, they give you new weapons, um, and uh, you know, in addition to giving you the new types of we- like new legendary weapons to get, there's new types of weapons, hmm. uh, or at least one specific one that is pretty useful, uh, which is great because. It allows you to get through some of the more tedious parts of the combat where you're like, oh, man. Okay, great. Let's just move through this. Um, I'm trying to think if you get any more traversal stuff. You get some slight new traversal stuff that's not as exciting as maybe I thought it would be. Uh, narratively, though, I think you had mentioned, Brad, that um, you had heard like, oh, this feels like must-see uh, campaign for the next game. Obviously, this game takes place after the events of um, uh, Forbidden West, so uh, I'm not going to talk too much about what happens there. Oh, in terms of it being necessary, yeah. I mean, but though I feel like if you don't get to it, they will just recap what happened. Sure. There. Uh, but there's the character and the kind of uh, relationship building that happens with the characters in it. I do feel like is something you might want to see. Otherwise, you'd be like. It would be weird if the characters are not referenced in anything that comes after this, because there's kind of some intense relationship building, not only with um, particular characters, just with the kind of um, bigger picture uh, um, Quen that are there, the, the the group of people that are there. So yeah, yeah, it's neat. It's but it's very much like additive. Here's more to, of that game that you mm-hmm. like. Yeah, I. If you played through all all of Horizon Forbidden West, it, which is a lot of game mm-hmm. that goes on for a while, I don't know if you're going to want to roll right into Burning Shores because it's not different enough to add another ten to fifteen hours onto that experience you might have just had. So, but it's worth coming back to if you have taken a break. Again, I was I was a little struggling a bit coming back into it, but they solve some of those problems pretty quickly and, and i found my horizon feet my aloy feet pretty quickly and things just moved along and i did most of the side stuff in it so i think if you even just streamline it you could probably even move a little faster faster through it also plenty of time to play it before horizon 3 comes out plenty of time is that Which, even announced no no but okay. no but i mean like it sounds like the way that all this ends like it <laughs> it would be a massive insult to the fan base if they didn't make another one right oh i mean that's why I asked if it's even if they, announced. Like yeah, it's all, no, it, all all but right, right. Yeah. yeah, like it's it sounds like it would be like pitchforks if they didn't actually finish the story. They just have the to wait f- for the next gigantic AAA open world game to get announced so that they can put the release date for three like three weeks before it. <laughs> yes, that's yes as is tradition. But yeah, I mean, looking at the amount of time between one and two, and just how long games take to make these days, like. A Horizon Three feels like it's probably end of the PS5's lifespan game at this point. I was gonna say my biggest question is, does it make it on the PS5? But I would I would assume that they take what they have in Burning Shores at the PS5 because uh, again we should mention you can't get this on PS4. So they take what they have there and try to get horizon three done and on that engine without having to re because all that work is done to get it a full game out on that engine on the ps5 now before they have to redo it for whatever comes next yes um can't, so can't i can't wait to can't wait to talk about how the ps5 version of horizon three is holding back the ps6 version that's right <laughs> that's right your ps5 ps6 version it's only a ten dollar upgrade 
Um, so yeah, I, I, I think it is worth playing if you've played it, but you know, I don't think you have to jump right in. I think you can take your time and savor, take a little break. Cause I remember when I finished horizon, I was like, that is a lot of game. I really enjoyed this, but this, that was a big ask of my time. I think I have something around 90 hours or something in horizon, Damn. um, uh, with this DLC. Cause it kind of rolls it all up into one, one thing. Jeez, man. Okay. Yeah. There's something wrong with me then. Cause I was at like 50 something hours in forbidden west when i put it down and i wasn't anywhere near the end uh it's a long it goes a little bit longer but also i like i said i wound up just getting everything and and spent a little time in the arena and doing every single at some point i just stopped trying to do every pouch upgrade because it was just my biggest beef with that whole game is it's upgrade stuff is out of control sometimes less is more it seems yeah there's like a little bit of a backlash to like color-coded loot and stats on everything and like modifiers on everything kind of stuff forming out there i'm seeing it's horizon has a lot of that it's more of it's more of every single crafting material you have to get to kind of upgrade a thing and then some of the limited resources actually get pretty hard to get but you know how many squirrel pinkies do I need to go hunt down to go upgrade my one of 17 satchels? That's the kind of stuff of like, oh, you have to get 18, um, you know, 18 bird toes to go get this. And it's like, I could spend three hours going to get that to, yeah. to get plus five more in my bomb satch, you know, sack. It's, uh, uh-huh. uh-huh. Tell yeah, about your bomb sack. Yeah. Uh, anyway. That's Horizon Forbidden West, Burning Shores, your spoiler-free version. Take it. I don't even know if I'm going to put spoiler tags on that in the markers. That was that was pretty nah. pretty spoiler-free. Nah. Uh, anything else you guys want to chat about? Let's take it to the news. We're going to kick off the news that just kind of broke not too long ago here. Uh, some news coming out about, you guessed it. Microsoft and Activision. Oh boy. We'll get to it. We'll get to it right after this. This week's show is brought to you by Bespoke Post. Alex Navarro. You know I love packages. I mean, I get them all the time. It's always an exciting time when a box arrives at your door. It is always an exciting time. Sometimes they open that box and it's from Bespoke Post. And inside that box, like this week, is a knife. It's a, uh, you know, a thing I can use when I need to cut things. I think this one, I, this, I've gotten more than a few knives from Bespoke Post. Are you trying this- to say that when you get a knife, the thing you need to do with a knife is knife? <laughs> I might have gotten around to say that in a shorter way, I, yes. Yeah, all right. Uh, this one was uh, specifically a uh, fishing knife, which means it's got uh, all the things you need to fillet a fish, let's say, or, or field dress a fish. Bespoke Post puts together a box of awesome. And things inside that box range from whiskey glasses, which I've gotten. I've gotten uh, incense things that I still have and use in my bathroom. Uh, And sometimes, occasionally, a knife that will go inside a kit that is themed. Because, Alex Navarro, you take a quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right Box of Awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories, and each box is valued at around $70, but you're only going to pay a fraction of that price. This is one of my favorite parts, Alex. 
With each box of awesome, you're supporting small businesses. 90% of everything that comes in your box of awesome is from a small up and coming brand. It's free to sign up and you can skip a month or cancel at any time. To get 20% off your first monthly box, sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code NEXTLANDER at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code NEXTLANDER for 20% off your first box. Boxofawesome.com, code NEXTLANDER. Thanks, Bespoke Post. All right, we are back. And you thought it was going to be, what, a month, two weeks, three weeks? I'm not sure the last time we talked about Microsoft and Activision. It actually has been a little has bit. Has it been a little bit? A little um, bit. Uh, but we, here we are with some actual, I think we skipped a couple of um, of smaller stories that have come out. But Brad Shoemaker, this is a bigger one. Passing on quite a few uh, until now. Yeah, the, the Activision acquisition by Microsoft has been blocked in the UK by the Competition and Markets Authority, which is the regulatory body that would block things like this. Oh, the CMA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. CMA. So, so yeah, this is um, this is going to mean that Microsoft. I mean, it's basically their first big red, you know, uh, not allowed stamp they have. They have a couple yeah. of more boards they have to go through. There's the EU. There's obviously the, in the states here they have to get it approved. But uh, the CMA, like you said, kind of stated their cloud gaming uh, uh, aspects of this over all of the Call of Duty stuff we have been hearing. Um, the hay that has been made over Call of Duty and that stuff, they kind of focused more on their competitive edge. And from what I can understand, the future-looking market consolidation of mm-hmm. cloud gaming and yes. how that would affect this, you know, including Game Pass and all of that stuff rolled up. Yeah, um, yeah, it sounds like whatever concerns they may have had about competition in the console space and the hardware space have been resolved. But it's mm-hmm. much more about Game Pass and the cloud presence. Also, just to to add what you were saying about this being kind of a red stamp, I guess this is the first like final verdict from a regulator. Yeah, where, you know, they said, okay, we have concluded our investigation. Nuh-uh. So uh, as opposed to the others that are still ongoing, although even then it's appeals and, and they, yeah, yeah there's still a lot gonna, to go through. They're going to appeal it. Like everybody from Bobby Kotick to like eight different Microsoft executives are out there going like, this isn't the final word. This isn't De- over. Definitely not. And you know, the, the, what does happen though, is they were looking to get this kind of wrapped up. We've mentioned this before by the summer, by July 18th, that date's not going to happen. So yeah. they're, uh, if they, from what I understand, if they don't get that done by July 18th, if it fell through, Microsoft would owe a lot of money to Activision for break, basically breaking the deal or uh, for it falling through. Basically, uh, yeah. Um, I'm not a contractual lawyer, but they would owe some monies. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna push that date ahead. Yes. Um, you know, they're just not gonna get it done by this point because now they have to go back in in an appeal to either. From what I understand, we're not lawyers. This is just basically from reading it try and carve out exceptions or to kind of um, make their appeal based on grounds that would be more appealing to this regulatory body. This happened not that long ago, but some of the chatter that has started to bubble up and some of the um, <laughs> analyzing, let's say from, from people who are in better positions than we to, to analyze it have floated things that sound to my layman's ear like not so great for the consumer on that end 
which is, you know, hey, maybe we can make an exception in these territories for not including Activision stuff in some of the online, like Game Pass uh, marketplaces or. Yeah, that was uh, man, just analysts analyzing left and right. Yeah, that was Michael Pactor's suggestion. I guess he gave that to Axios, I believe that like, yeah, maybe maybe they just make the concession of not putting Activision games on Game Pass in the UK. And maybe that's enough to get it over the line for for that body. Yeah. Um, so know, and, not, and not to be fair, of. I, I'm not generally a, a big fan of listening to the to the Pac-Man, but um, he has apparently been out there talking about this particular contingency and this thing being a hang up uh, for a while now. Yeah, so yeah. credit where credit's due there. Yes, Stephen Stillo did credit him that he's been saying this for months and not just in reaction to this news this morning. Also, this broke like right before we started. So. Uh, so not, not a lot of time to absorb it. But obviously, they, these are this is a gigantic not only merger but Microsoft a gigantic business. And so, in Kodak's statement, Kodak on the Activision side, obviously, I think he even says like, "Well, you know, this could affect Microsoft's investing in AI in in these territories, especially the the UK as well." Which, yes, which is some, like, geez, man, like, some, all right, is just what we're doing here? Some mm-hmm. of the language out there basically amounted to like, oh, well, I guess the UK doesn't want to be a friendly right. place for tech businesses to grow their companies. It, but that's always the line, right? Like that, anytime a company like this runs into any kind of roadblock like this, there's always a sort of tut tut notion of like, well, you are actually impeding progress by not letting us do this. Yeah, it, I, I, I will. I will mention real quick here just to kind of underscore the gravity of this the cma is the same agency that killed the nvidia acquisition of arm a couple of years ago which mm. i i don't know for a fact i'm just guessing i think was probably the biggest tech merger to ever be shut down prior to the activision situation that was like a 40 billion dollar deal and in fact in that case nvidia dropped it voluntarily because it seemed like the cma was going to rule against them and so they <laughs> essentially terminated the deal themselves so there is precedent, certainly, for this exact situation to result in this kind of thing being sunk. Mm. Um, same time, I mean, it's Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> They'll probably find a way. I mean, Microsoft did, n- n- I don't know if notorious is right, the right word, I'll just use it, uh, have that Internet Explorer stuff happen to them where they got uh, basically told they couldn't what was it? They couldn't have it by default be your, yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't. Well, I forget how yeah, what the language much was. they had to decouple internet Explorer from windows, but they were, yeah, it was, it was very much an anti-competitive, like you're crowding out the browser market by just including this browser with everyone's computer and making it the default on everything. And um, that was also in the UK, wasn't it? I don't know if it was the same body, but I, I, don't, I don't think know. it was stateside. I thought yeah, it was. I don't know. It's, it's weird. I mean, that's been, gosh, um, I guess it hasn't been that long. When was that? Like 30 years. Yeah. Mid-2000s? Um, I thought it was earlier than that. Uh, maybe. When was... Anyway, like, the thing I the thing you read was, like, like that put the fear of God into Bill Gates in a way that, like, you can't imagine in terms of being concerned about and paranoid about future antitrust situations. I don't know if, you know, like, institutional memory is a thing. He's obviously been out of there for some time. But I don't know how much that still influences the decisions of the current leadership. It's uh, it's a weird thing too, because when we talk about these things, we're talking about this gigantic body Microsoft. We're talking about Activision, which has not had um, has not seemed like a healthy place, uh, a development studio over the last I don't know 
five to ten years as as stories it's been some time yeah uh like pretty egregious stuff that has come out of there and uh with even body bobby kotick and all that leadership and and everything that's happened in the the blizzard side of things and so it's hard to know where you want things to even fall right like do you want as as a consumer right or as somebody Mm -hmm. who wants a healthy industry which is um where i land which is i want a healthy competitive industry right Activision needs help. Do you, I don't want everybody on Activision to lose their jobs, right? I don't, I don't, I want them to be able to develop games, but I also want there to be institutional change there. And, you know, how, I don't even know. So, like, it gets, I don't want massive consolidation within our industry because I don't want something that is now like, oh, well, if Microsoft goes left, it's, it pulls seven tons of developer cargo behind it left as well, right? That's what happens when these things happen. Like Microsoft makes a decision internally now and they have 152 studios that also have to align to that vision. So I don't know. I mean, Microsoft just had layoffs as well. You know, they, they, you know, it affected, it rippled, trickled down through a bunch of different studios. This merger is a weird one. It is. Yeah. Uh, there's not yeah. really much else to say other than yeah. this whole thing is weird and it is still ongoing. And, you know, in the end, I think my my leaning is still toward this will probably still happen. It's just going to take longer than people, you know, probably would, at least on their side, would like it to. I just wanted to very briefly mention, I did think it was very funny that they mentioned the failure of Stadia uh, as a contributing factor in their cloud gaming ruling here. So here is yet another thing you can blame Phil Harrison for. In 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 terms of like consolidation in the in that uh, yeah game like just, you know if anything yeah. they have an even more more right. of a stranglehold now that there is no longer Google competing in that space. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I don't know. Like I really don't know where these things go. I, I certainly wasn't expecting this. I thought it. I thought it would like eight hundred pound gorilla its way through these bodies. Uh, but look, every once in a while, the 800 pound gorilla runs into a wall. It just has to bang on that wall for a while until it can knock it down. Yeah. It's been eye, kind of eye opening. Um, after the experience of the last decade in this kind of like second golden age of Silicon Valley and tech giants and et cetera, et cetera. And the lack of lack of antitrust action taken there at times that it seemed like it was necessary um, antitrust or other regulations on social media and so forth. Like it just seemed like it was a thing of the past, you know? Yeah. And then like the NVIDIA arm thing fell apart. There's uh, I forget which, I mean, this isn't really tech, but which publisher was it that had their merger blocked last year? It was like penguin and Simon and Schuster. I forget. I think so. Yeah. Schuster, like, Schuster was definitely involved. And and like now this running into all these hurdles, it's like, Oh wow. Like, I don't know what happened that the, like the world's, you know, the world's antitrust bodies like woke up after a decade or something. Well, I mean, those mergers kept getting bigger is the thing. Yeah, like, you know, yeah, the, the, the scope of them kept getting bigger and bigger <laughs> and they kept happening in greater frequency. Arguably, this is the inevitable outcome of concentrating all the capital in fewer and fewer hands. Yeah. Well, Eventually, I, I, you're going to get to the point where everybody's like, OK, come on now. I mean, I don't want to get too in the weeds here because this is not my area. I only live I only live through this and suffer the consequences of it. I don't study it. But. As you get that consolidation, those places that are consolidating that wealth are not invulnerable and they topple no. and they are affected by market forces in a way that then becomes, well, if this thing fails, it will drag so much of an industry and an economy down with it. I, I hate, I don't want to use it, but it is, it is the word to use that it becomes too big to fail. Right. And then you right. have 
then you do have to have bailout and government stuff come in because there's nothing. You're now talking about hundreds of thousands of jobs tied to this secondary industries tied to this one thing. So it does oddly enough become a government problem. You know, like these free markets become a government problem when it's like, Hey, the Microsoft invested in something ridiculous. I'm, I'm just saying, for example, and now you're talking about sinking hundreds of thousands of jobs where they used to be, you know, diversified enough where maybe some would float up or maybe a competitor would rise up. And now, you know, you, you kind of don't get that. So maybe they are reacting to some of that. You know, we've had a lot of banks and airlines and all of this stuff happen over the last 20 years where that consolidation has really caused it to become so top heavy that you can't have you can't have flexibility there. Like yeah. it, everything's so the margins are so weird. It kind of reminds me of the break, the AT&T breakup yes. kind of decades ago. Yeah. Like if you ever look at one of those flow charts yeah. for yes. how that works it's so goddamn depressing because they broke AT&T up into like eight yes. companies and they have all re merged back into down. They're down to three now. Big old Ma Bell, to, Pac Bell. It's AT&T, Verizon and Lumen are basically all that's left. Cause all those, all those, constituent companies have all reacquired each other. Yeah. I mean, we were, we, the sci-fi world of the megacorp is not made out of like, you know, cut from, uh, nothing. It is cut from the fear that this consolidation leads to basically your, from your toothbrush to your kid's school is owned by the, the gigantic I mean, mega arguably some of these corporations already match the scale of what we were talking about in yeah. that sort of dystopian vision. And it's just getting bigger. Yep. Um, yeah. Those little bubble charts where you see like, Hey, this circle is going to eat this circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just basically one circle now. Uh, and it's called Vinco. Uh, <laughs> Uh, don't, don't stop me CMA. I'm taking over everything. That's Microsoft Activision stuff. Clearly this is not over. We will talk more about that in the future. Yeah. I was trying to last thing. I was trying to find where I read this and I can't find the sourcing on it. I think it was also from Pactor that he suggested this appeals process could take like three years. Oh, jeez. Up to that honestly doesn't surprise me. Uh, who they're not going to stand for that. There's no way. Yeah, no, no. I mean, that's, I highly doubt it'll actually come to that, but it yeah. sounds like the potential is there. Jeez. Job creators. Uh-huh. Those yeah. Jobs specifically are- jobs for people to, you know, just stare at this deal for a while and uh, say, for make lawyers. It last as long as humanly possible. That's right. Um, speaking of things that never, that go away, but are, uh, coming back around again. Samba Demigo. Are you guys fans? I I never really played the original. I, I played a little. Okay. I thought it was cute, like the the original one. I don't think I've I've played any of the ensuing ones. By me saying that, I'm not saying it's bad. I just mean no, I, I, know. I just never got into it. Uh, Why do you okay. hate Samba de Amigo? Uh, I've got a list. Do you want me to start from number one, or should I just go down to like the end? Uh, I don't know. Just you know, top line. Give me what, what's what's your big just beef? Maracas. They're just a, the lame oh. instrument. They're just like who wow. wants to play the maracas? No, okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, number one is I didn't have a PlayStation. I wasn't a PlayStation kid. Mm, okay, uh, that Lear. That Lear. Oh, sorry. PlayStation. Lear. I meant Dreamcast. 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 Oh, this is embarrassing. I can't remember the name of the mascot of Samba de Amigo. What is that thing's name? Samba. The Lear on that on the on his on his face is just it's not I I is it? No, that's uh, a monkey. No, that's, isn't it? That's, that's that's a monkey ball. Monkey. Yeah, it's monkey ball. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Actually, I don't know if that character has a name, but just. <laughs> Just that grin. 
Mm-hmm. Amigo is the monkey, right? Maybe, maybe it is Amigo. Maybe it is. Oh. Again, uh, not, this is not my my rhythm no, franchise. So no, it I, is. I believe it is Amigo. It's, okay, it's Amigo Samba. Um, yeah, I didn't really yes. play this. I, Mario, I Mario. Have, I wasn't a Sega kid, nor was I a Sony kid. Either either of those. But anyway, the reason I'm bringing that up is they have announced the song list for this new uh, Samba de Amigo. Are they just calling it Samba de Amigo? No, Party Central. Samba de Amigo, yes. Party Central. Terrible name. Uh, but let's take a look at the song list here, and I'm going to have to use you guys to tell me, are these songs good or not, or have you heard of them? Because I will just say, I've heard of the artists. I don't know the song. Okay. Give me what you got. Okay. Do you know uh, Ariana Grande's Break Free? Uh, I'm aware of this song, yes. Okay. Do you know Carly Rae's I Really Like You? Yes, I do. Pretty do good know- song. Okay. Cheat Code's Payback? No. Uh Diplo and T-S-H-A. Okay, I know who Diplo is. Okay. Let You Go? Nah, don't okay. got it. I mean, I, that might be one of those ones where I, it's one of those songs that plays in, like, <laughs> coming out of the cars that drive down my street all the time, and if I heard it, I would know it, but I don't know it. Do you know Gloria Gaynor? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Have you heard of a song called I Will Survive? Uh, yes. yes. Now, now you're okay. moving into the old people block. Uh, mm. uh, pop. Uh-huh. I Love It? Mm-hmm. Okay. I love it. One of one of the premier party anthems of the '90s. I know this song. Jay Giles Band Centerfold. Well, yes. Okay. Um, oh, I'm this- sorry. Mm-hmm. Was, was wait? Hang on. Maybe that was not the '90s. When it might have been the aughts. Oh my god! It was 2012. Wow. I thought wait, that song really? was way older than that. I thought it was like maybe mid aughts, but I guess I not. No okay. idea. Yeah. Why I thought it was that old. Anyway, it's a great song. Is that the song that goes? I love it. I love yes. it. Yes. Yeah. I don't care. Yep. Yep. Uh, centerfold, uh, Bang Bang, attributed to Jesse J, Ariana Grande, and Nicki Minaj. I know this song. Okay. Jonas Brothers, Sucker. Yes, I know this song. Uh, Keisha, Keisha? Kesha? Kesha. 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 Tick Tock. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is the original Kesha single. Wow. Okay. I never, I didn't, I had forgotten that she spelled TikTok the way the TikTok is spelled. <laughs> Yep. Is it not? Is it not related to TikTok? No, no, it okay. was pre TikTok. Way, way predates TikTok, but okay. spelled the same way. Uh, Mateo, Panama, nothing there. Blank stairs. I know who Mateo is. Oh, okay. I don't know the song off the top of my head. Panama, not that one. Mm-hmm. Okay, nope. Uh, Miley Cyrus, Plastic Hearts, uh, Pitbull, yep. Celebrate, Mr. Worldwide. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Ricky Martin's The Cup of Life. Okay, not my favorite Ricky Martin song, but sure. Uh, Rina Sawayama. Sawayama, yeah, I know her. XS. Okay, I don't know her like any of her songs, but I know who she is. Sam and the Womp, Bomb Bomb. Nope. Boom Boom. Nope. Okay. Uh, Steve Aoki, Daddy Yankee, and Playing Skills, and Elvis Crespo. I know uh, three of the four people on that track. Uh, Azukita. No Azukiza. idea. Okay. Those are the songs that are listed. Okay. Are you yeah, gonna it's leave out these covers? Are you going to leave out these covers of La Bamba and the Macarena? No, I was, you know, you, sure. Does it say uh, uh, who the La Bamba cover is? No. Okay. I'm going to say it's probably not the Los Lobos version. Uh, I don't know. They would say if it was. Yes, you absolutely would scream. If you, if you got Los Lobos, you fucking you get Lobos. out there and you tell people <laughs> you got Los Lobos. Um, 
yeah, that could be fun. Have fun streaming that game. Yeah, uh, okay, so are they releasing new Maraca peripherals for this, or are you just no. using the Switch things? Well, you can just use the Switch thing, the Switch Joy-Cons, but uh, I don't know if they are uh, using the Maracas, but you can just use this, the Joy-Cons. Okay. Uh, I don't know if they are like making a package with Maracas. I haven't, I haven't seen any mention of actual controllers. We're we're pretty fucking far away from yeah. the, the world where anyone wants to make plastic instruments think, of any kind. I think, I think the plastic music controller era is over, or at least extremely dormant for now. Uh, maybe I'll get this game and I'll learn all about modern music. Or m- music. Modern-ish music? Music mm. from past the 2000s. I'd say a lot of that is at least the last decade. Okay. I will survive. Not the last decade, but I mean, look. Uh, that's a Stone Cold classic. We all know that. Uh, let's see if that story actually has a release date in it. I think that game's soon. I want to say it's soon, too. It was, it was announced back in February. Uh, June, I believe. June. June. February is like June. June. Uh, that is also soon. That's like two months away. Yeah. Uh, you guys remember the case of the Golden Idol? Yes. Mm-hmm. Either of you guys finish it? That game's so no, good. I should really get back to that. I liked what I so played good. it. The game's great. Uh, I don't know if actually it might be might be more known now, but uh, as of tomorrow, I think, as of the time of this recording, uh, there is possibly DLC, though it is a little cryptic mm. as to what that will be. Uh, well, it is a mystery game. It is a mystery game, but uh, uh, some cryptic uh, emails were, or semi-cryptic emails were, were sent out. Uh, hinting at DLC to come out on April 27th. So okay. I'm pretty excited. That game is freaking awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's great. And I remember talking about when we were playing it, like it's tailor-made for, for further expansion, right? Because it's kind of so episodic to begin with. You could very much just bolt another, like, here's six new chapters of, of a side story. Totally. I would, if they want to put like six new chapters in and pay full price, for, I don't remember that game's price, but it maybe it was it wasn't bucks. that expensive. No, I'll pay for it again. Um, I would love to have it. I hope there's new music too, because the music in it was awesome. You know, I'm gonna re-download that so I can finish it. Uh, really, really put the, the power of this 4090 to work. Hell yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, the simulation begins. Uh, here's a message that it said uh, in the that one of those uh, emails. Dear associate, the Seven Seas Company has reviewed and approved your request to partake in the upcoming Lanka Trading Expedition. You and two other associates will personally accompany yours truly on this mission. This is from Albert Cloudsley. A partial travel itinerary has been included, Albert Cloudsley. Uh, I want to play more of this. That's it. Okay. I want. I wanted to let people know. You want more? A public service announcement. Yes. Uh, I want more. That game is good. And people should play The Case of the Golden Idol. Uh, did it come to consoles? I don't believe so. Should. Put that thing everywhere. It's a good game. Uh, that's going to do it for the news, at least as of the time of this recording. Who knows what happened when we? Uh, by the time this goes up. The things are moving and shaking. E3 is back on. Who knows? No. 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 Don't say things you can't take back. Stop it. Uh, that's going to do it for the news, but we do have an email address. That email address is podcast at nextlander.com podcast at nextlander.com. Brad Shoemaker. What are the folks saying out there? Uh, Muhammad in California wrote in with question. 
in light of the uh, Watchcast episode about Street Fighter, uh-huh. uh, the the major motion picture. Yes, major. Do you guys have a Do you guys have a favorite villain who's known for coming back from the dead in the most inconceivable ways possible? Blown to bits one movie and miraculously brought to life in the next. The first that comes to mind for me is M. Bison, who has somehow managed to die in three of the Street Fighter entries, yet always manages to have a spare body for his soul to chill in. I mean, he does have psycho power. Is this, uh, this could be through video games or movies, or is this yeah. mostly? Okay, sure. Let me think for a second here. Well, I'm immediately discounting the whole uh, fucking somehow the Emperor returned bullshit from yeah. that last Star Wars. I think that's like the bad version of this. The very that's bad the, version of that. That's the that's the we couldn't think of anything else. Yeah. And oh god, we're trying to. We don't have we don't have no idea what to do here. Okay, but that's a pretty good one. Uh, I mean, they okay. It's not necessarily the villain, but I will say the degree and the lengths that the Fast and Furious franchise has gone to bring people back from <laughs> the dead is one of the most fantastic things about that series. The way they will literally turn their own lore into pretzels just so they can bring back an actor you like. Didn't they do that with the Tokyo Drift guy? Yes. Okay. And it, what the, the explanation for it is so fucking stupid, even by the standards of that series. Great. Perfect. I, can I, I hope that they did not... I hope that they did something a little more respectful for Paul Walker's character. So they just haven't killed him. Oh. What? He apparently... Well, so that's the thing, is that he sped off into the distance in 7, and then they keep referencing him like he's alive, but they keep coming up with reasons for him not to show up in the movie. That's weird. Which, I'm gonna say, is maybe the more respectful version than continuing to get his brother to show up and then putting a CG face over him, which is what they did at the end of 7, which was fine for the goodbye but I don't want to see as a regular feature of the films. But I, by the since we are coming nearing the end of that series, I do wonder if they're going to try and do something with that. Uh, Metal Gear has always been pretty uh, ridiculous about uh, trying to figure out ways to either bring people back or think that they have brought people back. So that has mm-hmm. been uh, that is a weird one. Let's see. What are what are movies or games that they didn't think they would make a sequel to and then they made a sequel to and realized they had to oh boy, we need to bring that villain back. Cuz uh, I feel like nowadays in 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 cinema everybody's planning for the sequel already. So you Oh yeah, everything's kill. a cinematic universe now. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So uh I have to think kind of earlier on um somebody's probably had their DNA stored and frozen and then you know thawed out and reconstituted and put back. Mm-hmm. And done, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. Uh, Duke. Duke uh, from the G.I. Joe movie, the worst one. He's okay! <laughs> <laughs> Duke's gonna be alright! <laughs> what? Okay, credits! <laughs> yeah. Yay, we won, we won! By the way, Duke's gonna be alright. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. Yeah, that one's uh, pretty fucking dumb, I agree. That- that's oh okay or by that same vein optimus prime comes back in like uh the transformers you series you can't literally. kill optimus prime you, you apparent, apparently you can't you're right uh so there, there you go that, that I, I found one okay listen you don't kill the thing that made you all the money and then you think you're gonna sell the toys and then you're like nobody wants these toys but nobody they wants the optimus bullshit yeah I straight up called that special the return of optimus prime it's 
They knew what they were doing, but they mm-hmm. didn't last too long. They knew where their okay. butter was bread or bread <laughs> butter. I that's okay. <laughs> that was fun. Hey, that was good. Uh, Brad, you got any more butter in the podcast? Uh, uh-huh. I'll do a couple or, more. Or here. some bread, whatever. Uh-huh. Mike from New York City wrote in about the baseball discussion. Okay. Okay. Uh, I've personally not used a chest protector for baseball, but I'd imagine it's to protect against, okay, my Latin has been commotio cordis. Oh, yep, yep. If they're using the Latin term, that must mean it's real bad. It's rare, but a blunt hit to the chest during a specific 40 millisecond window of the heart's rhythm can cause ventricular fibrillation and cardiac arrest. It's far more common in baseball than other sports, but this is what happened to Buffalo, to the Buffalo Bills, Samar Hamlin. In January 2023, when he collapsed yes. on the field after making a tackle. So yep. I had a lot of people message me as well about that okay. stuff. So apparently um, those chest protectors are are well, well justified. I think they're well-intentioned. I, I also saw a lot of studies that say the the data is still forthcoming on their efficacy. So It's also notable um, that like these are not really used in the professional leagues. Oh. Like, I mean, it, like it just general pre- chest protectors in baseball? I don't think oh, so. Dude. I thought catchers wear something. Don't well, they? no, oh, catchers do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a okay. different situation. The catchers have yeah, a whole set of pads just for them. Yeah, that's that's what I meant. Obviously, uh, not in the outfield or whatever. Yeah, so they uh, these are more like very thin to wear in, in when you're batting or playing uh, other positions too. Also, face guards for the pitcher. Uh, I see a lot now too, uh, having been yes. to a couple of games. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks for people who, who sent me that information as well. Chest guards. What's right. next? One more? Yeah. Sure. Dan from Philly. Hi, Dan. I think that's Philadelphia. You say so. This is amazing. After hearing the nightmarish email about losing a hard-fought, mud-slinging local election, I thought I'd offer up my completely different but equally as weird experience. Okay. In 2017, a year after that general election... I decided to do my civic duty and vote in my precinct smaller off your election. Uh, these are usually judges and small local positions, usually people running unopposed and no real party affiliations for the candidates involved. For my little suburbs election, two positions had no candidates listed at all, only write-ins. Growing up, my brothers would constantly write me in for a PTA position at my hometown school district. So I got into the habit of just writing myself in as a default. This election was no exception, so I absentmindedly keyed in my name for the write-ins and went about my day. You can probably guess where this is going. Uh, I can. Cut to three months later when my now wife comes up from our building's mailroom with two huge flat envelopes from the county. Not only had I won the position of judge of elections for my precinct, I had also won majority inspector. Mother of God. It turns out I was literally the only person who voted for those positions, and I won both unanimously with my one measly write-in vote. Wow. I had to choose between the two to officially (laughs) accept, so naturally I went with judge of elections. When you're the Joe, you basically run the whole voting station from 5 a.m. to whenever the polls close, I think at 9. I was the only person working the station that was under the age of 75. Huh. Uh, And even though I was in my late 20s, we all had a blast with both the primary and the midterm elections in 2018. Sadly, even though my term was four years, I had to resign when I moved into my house on the other side of town, which ended up being in an entirely different county. That's the Philly suburbs for you. I had to fax in my resignation to the local party office and name a successor. 
Some facets of bureaucracy never change. Amazing. Uh, anyway, local politics isn't always just smear ads and character assassinations. Sometimes you perpetuate a wrong, long-running in-joke and end up giving a shit when nobody else in the voting booth does. Ah, uh, I appreciate their attitude toward it. That's, yeah, that's pretty good. I'm glad it, it ended you know, happily and not in a being the judge of elections made my yes. life some misery. They, they, misery. they unlike, unlike a lot of office holders, they at least respected the tenets and requirements of their position. Mm. And fulfilled their duties. Incredible. Uh, I am amazed that nobody else, no one else, like if somebody else had wrote one name in there, would like, Uh would have been a runoff? Gonna have to go to a runoff, hold a new new election. (laughs) Then the campaign season starts. I think the sadder thing to me is if he hadn't done his little in-joke. Yeah. What There'd happens no when one? nobody votes for anybody? Like, how there do they? Be no one. Maybe they. Maybe they appoint somebody if nobody is elected. I don't know. I don't know. Thank you for doing your civic duty. Yeah, for real. Um, I'll, I'll mention this. Uh, I know this last email, but I just want to say I popped into the. Um, uh, if folks remember, long listeners will remember uh, uh, the uh, person who acquired a high school with with some yes. other people. If you pop into that thread, I check in there every once in a while over on our Discord. The uh, the thread there, it's freaking awesome. <laughs> like, so they've been, they're they're making good on it. Oh my gosh, the skate ramp is looks it looks amazing. Like, just the rooms look so cool. It is so awesome to check in and see the progress on this high school or or elementary school. This whatever it is, I building, think it was a high school uh, converted into a living space. It's. I, it's it blows my mind every time I see pictures of what is going on in there and like uh, like hey this is this wing and this is you know this thing it's it's just wild unbelievable just wild. yeah I gotta yeah. pull that back up I haven't been in that thread in a while yeah it's but. so cool there are updated pictures and thanks for updating it uh, yeah if, if you're listening please keep I, us informed this is yeah. like one of the best ongoing things we have in our community <laughs> so what cool you, what do you do with all that space I don't know I, and every time I see it I'm like that's awesome you put a skate park in there apparently. Uh, it's great. I mean, I won't, but that's great that they are. Yes. Uh, it's very cool. Those are the emails. Again, that's podcast at nextlander.com podcast at nextlander.com. And that's going to wrap up this week's show. I've got to, I got to take a nap or something. I, I was up too late playing video games. That's, man, that's harsh. I don't know how I stayed up to 1230 games. a couple nights ago and it kind of broke me. These video games are tough. Man, I was, you guys, like, I'd st- I I still go. To, I mean, look, I don't stay up all night and play video games anymore, but like, I'm still going to bed at like one o'clock. Like, I, I can't. I can't crawl go to bed that early when you when you when you can't when you can't sleep sleep past about seven. That's not an option anymore. I was okay, going to yeah, say that's I, the other side of it. I crawled into bed like around five thirty, and then was you know the, everything wakes up around six and six thirty. So it was like this can't be happening. What did I do? Uh, so I stayed in bed the latest I possibly could, just yelling out like, "Go brush! I'll be in the shower. <laughs> you brush first. Um, miserable, miserable morning. Um, miserable. And we're we're, we're going to record uh, Never Been a Better podcast tonight, and I think. All things, if they line up, we should have a full house. It doesn't Damn. happen that often. Everybody seemed to have a clear calendar. I'm going to take advantage of that. I'm going to try and pack everybody in for a recording. We haven't recorded yet, so that might change. But, yeah, um, no I'm promises. Very, but Super excited. 
Uh, you can check that out over on patreon.com slash nextlander. We got the watchcast going on uh, over there. We just recorded our first episode for, was it some guys are coming to get us? Some guys are coming to kill us. It's come or kill us. Very specific. Yes. Uh, and we watched uh, Assault on Precinct 13. That'll be up next week uh, over on the Patreon side of what things. What a picture. Uh, you can catch up on the uh, video game a month uh, that is now up as well. Uh, check that out. We got the Ramblecast. No video Ramblecast this week. I apologize. That was my fault. Uh, I had a snafu with the recording of the video. So just the audio version. But just imagine I'm doing amazing things with my hands the entire uh, time. Uh, just we're talking. constant gesturing. Just I won't stop. It just won't stop. Uh, so you can check out the audio version of that over on uh, the Patreon as well, along with a bunch of other stuff. They mentioned we have a Patreon because we do. No. And over there on this Patreon, you can uh, sign up for a bunch of different tiers, including the Mysterious Benefactor tier, which has the amazing ability and benefit of making Alex Navarro read their names live on this show. Alex, would you do the honors of reading our Mysterious Benefactors for this week? I'll do it. Oh, you're, you're fantastic. Our mysterious benefactors for this week are RRE, John Richardson, Vornak, Kelly F., James Smith, Brian Lucier, Skywarp, John Hubbard, Sean Miller, Evan Cook, Mark Wilhelm, JM, Jerry Lee, Gary Pejsky, Robert Fisher, John McInnes, Hashtag Bunny Crimes, Peter Reardon, Thomas Lynn, Jad Rita, Statics, Andrew Jackson, Razgriz2, Brian Murphy, Trevor and Adrian R, Randy Duax, Andrew Tiebkin, Alex Wu, It Me JP, Matt Clements Jr., Edward Chick, Andrew Slosky, Steve Lynn, Matthew Herrig, David Campos, and Tyler Treese. Thank you. Those are our mysterious benefactors for this week. And thanks again to everyone who has gone over to patreon.com slash nextlander and signed up for any of the tiers there. We appreciate it. Can't do it without you. I don't just say that. I mean it. I'm not just a, uh, uh, I'm not just a founder. I'm also a member. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the, the hair club for Patreon. Mm-hmm. There we go. Um, We've got a bunch of stuff coming up this week as well. We got Thursday. We're going to be doing a grab bag. And then over on Friday is patron's choice. Patron's choice. That means you can go find a poll going up soon. If not, by the time this podcast goes up, maybe, maybe we'll see, but going up soon there. Uh, and you can go vote to see what we get up to on Friday. We got a bunch of stuff coming out at the end of this week, too. So we'll see how we shuffle things around there. And maybe some of those choices will make it into the patron's choice. We will see. Got that Jedi game coming out on Friday. Yeah, that's soon. That's soon. Uh, There's also that Benedict Fox game, I think, comes out on Thursday or Friday. It's uh, it's end of this week. Uh, You remember that one? You're making a squinty face. I think it's called Benedict Fox. Is that right? Something Something Adventures. Oh, right. The... Man, no yeah. offense to that game. I don't know how I keep forgetting about that game. Yeah, look neat. Looks yeah. Neat. yeah. Um, Holds the last case of Benedict, Benedict Fox. Last Metroidvania. case. Metroidvania. Um, so yeah, maybe we'll check those out in some capacity, and you can check all of that out over on our Twitter YouTube channel. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Brad. 
We will be back with another Next Lander podcast next week. <laughs>